0: Wow, I'm glad you both could make it. Holy cow. All right. All right. Well, we're going to be starting on 1 John chapter 5 this morning. Uh, And I'm a little bit encouraged by it. We're going to see how we can have victory in this world. Uh, This world is a strange place, and it seems like it gets stranger every day. Uh, A lot of things happen that just don't make any sense, but we're guaranteed that we can have victory over this world. And we're, uh, I've been doing a little extracurricular study outside of our studying for uh, Sunday school, and I've been looking at other places where we're promised victory. Uh, and there's a couple of places where Paul invented a word to describe the victory that we have. We have an over victory, we have a superabundance of victory. And Paul was so impressed by it himself that he invented a word for it. That's pretty significant. We're going to look at a little bit of that here today in uh, 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to read the first four verses, and we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll get to looking at it. It goes like this. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given to us. Beautiful day, sun shining on the snow. It's a Just a beautiful day. We thank you for the beauty of your creation. I thank you for the diversity of your creation. Three, four days ago, it was 60 degrees. Now it's cold. What a world you built. You are an awesome God, and you are mighty. Help us to exalt your name and your house today. Guide us through your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. Show us what you'd have for us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So today, we're going to look at how we as believers can have victory over this world system. And verse 1 starts right off with a very interesting phrase. Let's read it again. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Isn't that interesting? When John says that, he's reminding us of a theme that he started earlier. We've we've already seen it. uh, Which is the fact that those people who believe that Jesus is the Christ are born of God. That's something that the heretics of John's day have denied. We saw that already. Let's back up uh, chapter 2. Remember, John uh, is battling heretics, heretics that still exist today. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 22 to 23, it says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father... But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. <clears throat> See, these heretics had some confused beliefs about who Jesus was, just as heretics do today. Uh, some of them denied that Jesus was the Messiah. No, he wasn't the Messiah. He was yeah, he was a teacher, he was a rabbi, he was, yeah, one of the best rabbis ever. But he wasn't the Messiah. The Messiah is still coming. A lot of people still believe that today. Some denied that he was God's own son. No, he was was a man, but he, he wasn't God's son. And there were other claims, too. You know what some of them are. We still have some of them around today. But John here makes it clear that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Promised One. Now we talked for quite a while uh, back in chapter 2 verse 29. Uh, Let's look at that too while we're right here. It says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. We talked when we went through that about what it means to be born of God and what all that means. And when we were there, I steered us toward uh, the gospel of John. Let's, Let's just take a quick glance back at John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. We already looked at this when we were going over it before, but let's refresh our memory here. We're talking about being born of God. John says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And, of course, uh, the Gospel of John chapter 3, when Jesus and Nicodemus are sitting down, that's one of the clearest descriptions of what it means to be born of God. Go ahead and read that yourself. I'm not going to read that whole chapter. Both of those passages, John chapter 1 and John chapter 3, make it clear that to be born again is different than being born naturally. In both those passages, John 1 and John 3, we see that to be born again happens at the very moment that we put our faith in Jesus as the Christ and in His claims. He is the Messiah, and He is everything else that He claimed that He was. He claimed to be the Son of God. He was that. He claimed to be fully human. He called Himself the Son of Man, and He was that. He was the Christ, the Messiah. He was that. Every claim Jesus made was true and accurate. And when we put our faith in that, that's when we become born again. I'm not going to teach all that again. We already went over that. But since we know that to believe in Christ means to be born again, John here says, he adds to it. He says, and everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also who is begotten of him. And this is John referring to just normal human life. You know, this is everyday, normal. If we genuinely love a person, odds are we will love their son as well, right? If you like a fellow, well, yeah, he's all right. Nah, but his son's rotten. Sometimes we say that. But most generally, you like the father, you like the son too, right? I'll put it out for your consideration that the begotten spoken of here is not just Jesus, although it refers to him as well. But in the context of everything that we've already seen in 1 John, the begotten of God is referring to you and me, believers, those who have been begotten of God. I believe that's the case. Looking at it in context, Uh, there are some who would argue with me, so I'll I'll put that out for consideration. You will pick up commentaries that will say something different. That it there, No, this is referring only to Jesus, but I'm not so sure. See, John here is saying that those who love God will live lives that are marked by their love for other children of God. See, that's what we've been talking about throughout the book of 1 John. The fact that we love each other is a sign that we have been born again of God. That jives with the theme we've been running since chapter 4, verse 7, and we're going to continue through today. If we love God, we will love our fellow believers as well. So let's move on to what verse 2 says. It says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. So now that John's made his point about mutual love of believers... He now explains exactly how we can show that love for each other in everyday life. How can we show the love that we have for each other? When we love God and keep His commandments. Simple as that. Now, at first glance, that sounds completely backwards from what John has said so far in this book, doesn't it? In the past, so far in the book of 1 John, we've seen him say that people's claims to love God are to be measured by the presence or absence of love for each other. Right? That's how mu- We know how much we love God by how much we love each other. Now he's saying the exact opposite. He's reversing it. Here he says that whether or not people love their fellow believers can be determined by the presence or absence of a love for God. And an obedience, a life of obedience to His commands. So John seems to have gone full circle on this, doesn't he? Why? Why do you suppose? Because it is a circle. It is a circle. It's because as John sees it, the two situations cannot be separated. They cannot be separated. You can't have one existing without the other. You can't love God and keep His commandments without loving your other fellow believers. And you can't love other believers without loving God and keeping His commandments. How do I know that? Well, God's commandments show us the proper way to do good for others. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Look at verse 9. For this... Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandments, he knows there is, he just couldn't remember them all, just like you and I can't, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Paul saying all those commandments God's got are summed up in thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Go over to Galatians, chapter 5. In verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, what John is saying is that our love for God can be measured by our love for each other, and our love for each other can be measured by our love for God and how much we're obeying His commandments. You can't separate the two. Which brings us to verse 3. See, we're moving right along through this. We're not going to be long here this morning. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. So here John comes at it the more expected, the more conventional way. He says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And here again, I think John is saying the same thing from two different directions so that he can make it perfectly, perfectly clear that there's no separating these two concepts. You can't separate these two. By the way, Almost every time that John speaks of God's commandments in 1 John, almost every single time, he does so in the context of loving one another. Isn't that interesting? When he brings up, obey the commandments of God, at the same time he brings up, and make sure you love each other. Isn't that interesting? That's like just like what we just read in Romans and Galatians. All of the commandments of God, the whole law of God, is summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. And that kind of further makes the point that I'm trying to make here. See, God's commands bring joy and they bring freedom. And the people who say, well, we don't have to be bound by God's law don't have any idea what they're talking about. They don't have any idea what they're talking about. How do I know that? Because of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. This is Jesus talking. uh, Verses 28 to 30. Jesus talking. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And John wraps up with verse 4. Now, don't be fooled here. Verse 4, I'm going to finish with today, and we're going to start with next week. Also, because we're looking at two separate concepts this week and next week that are linked together with verse 4. So let's look at that. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. That's our focus today. And then our focus next week. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We're going to overlap some. That's why today's going to be so short. I'm going to look at this verse again next week. But John's using verse 4 to shift gears from what we have been looking at, which is love for fellow believers. And he's going to introduce the closing comments for the book. He's wrapping the book up. This is the last chapter. He's trying to summarize things. And verse 4 is the hinge that he's doing it on. But let's, uh, as we look at verse 4, let's remember how verse 3 backs up. It says, And his commandments are not grievous, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. If you tie those things together, you see, the command to love one another isn't a burden to someone who knows God. Because they're born of God. I want to do what my father asks me to do. Love for others who are also born of God is just a natural outcome of being born of God, don't you see? Loving each other just springs from loving God. And that's true for one simple reason. Because whoever has been born of God has already overcome the world. See... We've already discussed what it means to be born of God. We've talked about that at length. I'm not going to go over it again. Even this morning, we've already talked about it. And we pointed out that it has nothing to do with natural birth, but something entirely different. It's an act of God's Holy Spirit in our life, which happens the moment that we confess that Jesus is who he claims to be. We've already talked about that. We've also gone over what the world means as we've been going through the book of First John, you remember what the world refers to? This world system that we have. The world system that we find ourselves living in today. And it was no different in John's day either. Way back in, uh, let's back up to chapter 2, verses 15, and seven, 15 to 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Love for the world and love for God are mutually exclusive. We just finished saying that love for God and love for each other can't be separated. But love for the world and love for God can't be in the same room together. And when we looked at that back in chapter 2, we also saw that everything that is entailed in the world, all that's in the world, John says, the lust of the flesh, Lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Those are sinful cravings. We talked about that. That are activated by various sensual persuasions that we have. Different perceptions. So in light of all that, it should be easy for us to tell why it's not burdensome for believers to obey God's commands and to love one another. Since we're all born of God, Since we're all in God's family together, we should be seeing victory every day over our sensual desires, over all the lusts that are in this world. We should be seeing victory every single day, shouldn't we? Because we're born of God. And as a result, as a result of overcoming our sensual desires, having victory over this world, we'll then be free to love each other, and to love God and fulfill His commandments, as we should. Because we're not wasting our time spinning our wheels chasing after those lusts that are in the world, don't you see? I hope that's true in all of your life. Now, I'll give you drop you a hint on what we're going to be pointing out uh, next week. Because verse 4, we're going to start off next week. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. King James English says overcometh two times. It's completely different tenses that are being used there. One is past and one is present. We have already overcome. And we are going to continue overcoming as we continue. That's quite a thing. We're going to expand on that a little bit more next time we're together. But those two words that are overcometh are actually two completely different words, two completely different tenses. I hope that's true in your life. I hope you have overcome, and I hope you're continually overcoming as you go through this world. And if it's not true, then I'd love to talk to you more about it. But that's all I had for this morning. As I say, I want to take verse 4, and I want to jump off next week to look at some more, but uh, I had to break it someplace, so I'm breaking it at at verse 4, halfway through. If you don't mind, I'll close this in a word of prayer here.